Welcome everyone to episode 166 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek and today we're going to catch up on all of the latest NBA news including Clint Capella re-signing with the Rockets, Kevin Love signing an extension with the Cavaliers, Carmelo Anthony going to Houston, and much more. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio you can find our Twitter handle so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. This time we're separated by an entire ocean again. <laughs> we are, unfortunately, yeah. I'm, I'm back, back in the States, back in the land of rampant racism and incompetent leadership. It's really, really a great welcome home. Uh, but yeah, our, our time in Denmark was great, but too short. So everyone, uh, if you are in Denmark or you're planning a trip to Denmark, hit Morton up, slide into his DMs. He is a very gracious host. He will feed you a lot of delicious Danish food and you will gain a lot of weight and then hate yourself when you go home and weigh yourself for the first time. Speaking yeah, just from experience. Don't everyone contact me at once. I don't have that kind of cash. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. Just stagger them out over the next like twelve months or so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but we had fun. I love going to Tivoli with you guys. It was awesome. Oh my gosh, like we were standing in line for the roller coaster, and the Kevin Love contract came in. We we're both <laughs> both were just grabbing our pocket with the phone immediately. Like we looked at each other, like we saw the bat signal. Like yeah. all right, <laughs> it's time to get to work. And our wives were just looking at us, like, oh my god, you're such dorks. Yep. yep. Yeah, we're the only two people in that theme park that day who were getting Woj bombs about Kevin Love, which is great. Uh, so we will talk about him, but I think the big news first we got to hit on is Clint Capella. He re-signed mm. with the Rockets. Uh, it's a five-year, $90 million deal, only $80 million of which is guaranteed. Um, that was the deal the Rockets reportedly offered to him on July 1st, and he turned it down at the time. He was hoping for more. He wanted something more in the line of like four years, $100 million, which is what uh, Rudy Gobert got, what Steven Adams got. Unfortunately, the market did not break that way for him. So instead of taking the qualifying offer, he went with this deal. Uh, hmm. What do you think about that decision, Mort? I mean, look, the next season, the league is going to be flushed with cash. Mm-hmm. So many teams are going to have so much money. So personally, I would have at least considered taking the qualifying offer. Having said that, I kind of understand like the risk of injury. That is just such a big consideration that you need to have. And Capella being a big man who's up and down the court, like if someone undercuts you just once and you land awkwardly on that knee, game over, yeah. man. Um, the only thing you could do was like look at Zach Levine and Jabari Parker and go, "Hey, look, that's a lot of money going to three torn ACLs." <laughs> right. But then again, one team did it, so that's hardly the norm, right? Yeah. Like I don't think many other teams would be inclined to do that. So if he was injured, he would lose a lot of money. So he decided to just go with the with the long-term security. Yeah, it, it cost him probably somewhere around 10 to 20 million. Mm-hmm. But he's a good fit. He's young. He's 24. I have a feeling that he's going to improve significantly over the next couple of years. So when he's a free agent again, which will be after five years. So he'll be in you know, 29, 30. Mm-hmm. Like he can cash in. Right. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you. I mean, I I would have thought he was going to get more than that. 
like going into free agency. So mm-hmm. I think it's an absolute steal from the Rockets. And from his perspective, I think you're right. Like he could have gambled on himself and he could have probably made more money next year, but as you said, one injury changes that completely or you know, I don't think he was going to have a year like Nerlens Noel had this past year, but he only needs to look at that experience and say like, you know, Nerlens turned down 4 years 70 million, had an awful year, had an injury, was like fell out of favor. Right. And now he signs a two-year deal for less than four million. Like there, there is a downside to taking the qualifying offer if what for whatever reason something doesn't break right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's an absolute heist for Houston. Like, I I forget who was posting contract figures of like Clint Capella is being paid less than X, Y, and Z, but the list of guys that he's getting less than annually is. I mean, it's frankly somewhat insulting to him. Mm-hmm. I kind of that's that's interesting to me because what if a player holds a grudge regarding mm-hmm. that? Like we don't talk about that enough. Like if a guy just gets clobbered in negotiations, like I feel Capella just did right now, mm-hmm. is he at in some sort type of risk of going into the season like a little bit pissed off? Mm. I guess it's possible, but that, at a certain point, like, it's still $90 million, you know? Right. It's, like, still life-changing money. Like, not only is that he's set for the rest of his life, but that, like, generation upon generation of his family is set forever. Like, Right. I, but know, we I, heard Kawhi was pissed about being asked to, like, wait for restricted yeah. free agency. Like, That's true. Players apparently can hold grudges about these things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I just I would be afraid to clobber a guy too much. Oh no! Especially I, if he's like if he's worth it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, we we've seen throughout the summer Houston just like the owner has said luxury tax isn't a problem, but then some of their moves suggest otherwise. So I think this was probably one of those. Like they could have given him a five year max, but they just didn't want to cough up that much in luxury tax payments which makes right. sense so i think you know this is probably the best common ground like in this market especially now you know the only team with cap space at this point was sacramento mm. so like houston really could have took it to the screws with him and been like you know you turned down five years 90 now there's literally not another team that can offer you more than like 10 million dollars now it's gone down to like five years 60. So, you know, like going back saying we offered this on July 1st, you turned it down. That offer is still on the table. I think that's probably the best common ground Capello was going to get. And I think he realized that, which is probably mm. why he did this deal. Because, you know, there's an argument that Clint Capella in that system is going to be better than Clint Capella on another team. Like he's not. Yeah. A versatile scorer he needs a point guard before chris paul like he had james harden but he needs like a ball dominant guy who can feed him labs like paul and harden like right he would not be good he would have not been that good like on atlanta last year if dennis schroeder was his point guard that's true and he would have been exposed if he ended up elsewhere meaning that the second contract the second long-term contract he'll sign in about five years time that could risk being a lot lower so right. if he stays in a system that's just tailored for his strengths, in five years' time, we'll, we'll see a guy who's just had continued success for over well over half a decade. 
and you just go, oh, he's a known commodity. Here, $30 million a year, and then he'll go somewhere else, maybe, and he'll stink up the joint. <laughs> right. like, maybe. I mean, that's a risk. Obviously, I'm not saying he would, but like that, that, could, that could happen. Right. Right, right. yeah. So I get that. Yeah. No, there's logic to it. I was just, I was very surprised at the amount, especially that the only 80 was guaranteed. <laughs> Listen to me, only 80 million guaranteed. I yeah. Know. But, but like 80 million guaranteed. Um, it was a real Daryl Morey incentive package, I like know. 30% rebounding percentage. <laughs> I love that. That was so good. Too. Yeah. What was the other? It was like his free throw percentage. I forget yeah. what it was exactly. Was it 65? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the, including an incentive for defensive rebound percentage is just the most Maury thing of all time. It's hilarious. I love that. I love yeah. that. That he's he's gonna catch in on that one. I think he's just oh, gonna yeah. gobble up boards, and yeah. he was doing that regardless. Yeah, I, right. Yeah. yeah, what was he at? He was at thirty point eight last year. Yeah, so something he, along that. Yeah. So he, those, I believe, I saw Deeks tweet this out that one million was for making the Western Conference Finals. And it's five hundred thousand each for the rebound rate and free throw. He did not make the free throw. He was not close to it last season, but yeah. because they made the Western Conference Finals and because he hit the rebound last season, one point five million will be deemed likely incentives this season. So that will apply to Houston's cap figure this season. And then if he doesn't hit it, I think it comes off afterward. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean there's no reason to expect his rebound percentage to go down. It's not like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we'll talk about Carmelo Anthony in a little bit, but it's not like Carmelo Anthony's going to be stealing boards from him like a Russell Westbrook would. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to be... It, it, his key, I guess, is just going to be, like, staying on the court more. Like, he played a career-high 27 and a half minutes a game, but, it, you know, you, you got to wonder, is he going to get up to 30, 32 at least in the regular season, and then once the playoffs start, we'll see what happens with small ball lineups and that. That's that why they had the free throw incentive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as long as he fixes his freebies, yeah, why not? And he did make progress. I mean, 56% last season, mm-hmm. which was a career high, you know, compared to 17% that he had as a rookie. <laughs> So he's trending in the right direction. We'll see he what is. happens. With and he's that. not turning the ball over a lot. He's not fouling a lot either. Right. Like he's he's really polished from a statistical perspective. Yeah, he's the perfect Mori setter. I feel like he really is. Yeah. And and they're I mean they are very high on him. Like I remember even before all of their moves last off season, we uh, Mori was saying like yeah we James Harden needs more help. He can't be the only guy. We're going to go out shopping for someone, but we may also have that second or third all-star in Clint Capella. Like, they mm-hmm. believe he has that type of potential. And, you know, we we saw it last season. Like, he, he took major strides. So, I'm excited just as, in, like, a impartial uh, viewer. I, I'm excited to see him continue to grow in that system. I think this is, as we said, the best fit for him. Um, and, you know, the, the Rockets... Their offseason has been so maligned at this point. If they had lost Capella, that would have been absolutely devastating. Mm-hmm. Like they, they needed him to come back to have any chance against the Warriors or of staying as that second best team in the West. Right. And also, something else popped up recently. I think it was yesterday. Brian Windhorst mentioned that they might not be done. I uh, saw that. Yeah, I love that idea. They were apparently shopping Ryan Anderson 
uh, to Charlotte for for Nicholas Batum. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that idea. That's more thinking outside the box because remember we were talking about as soon as Chris Paul signed that big deal, we were talking about like, oh, okay, how can how can Ryan Anderson get off the books so they can have some cap flexibility? Instead, Maury and his team is just going in the other direction. Like, hey, you know what? Let's let's like the, our window is open right now. Let's see if we can extend it a little bit. Let's see if we can actually become better. And by saying, oh, we have a contract with two years remaining, we can shop that for a longer term contract, but in return get a better player, a substantially better player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I hope that deal goes down. Can you imagine having Chris Paul, James Harden, and Nicholas Batum as your one through three in terms of playmakers? Like Clint Capella will get so many lobs, he'll have his you know his legs will be tired at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, of twenty points per game, all on lobs. It would be ridiculous. Like you would have so many release valves, and you would have shooting, you would have defense, you would have rebounding, playmaking. Like, oh boy, that's that's just clever. Yeah. I would love to see that type of a deal go down because, yeah, I think you're right. Like, there's no point if you're Houston at this point. Cap space is inconsequential. You're just not gonna right. have any until Harded, Paul, Capella, Anderson all come off the books. So, like, you're only gonna be limited to the taxpayer level exception from now until the end of time, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like Anderson is your one big trade chip left to get someone else on a big contract probably an undesirable contract for a rebuilding team like charlotte so like yeah a nicholas batum would be fantastic there and then at that point you know if they add if their only notable losses are ariza and Bamute, but they're they add or i guess anderson too but they add batum carmelo and james ennis then we could start having the conversation of whether they're actually better than they were last year. I, I will already have that conversation with the yes, they will be. Yeah, I agree. They will be. Batum's really good. Like, he's had a couple not-so-great years in Charlotte, and it's also Charlotte, so he just, like, falls under the radar a little bit. But, like, yeah. in the right system, when he's a complimentary guy, like, he, he just can't be that, like, number two option. But if he plays, like, the Andre Iguodala role for Houston, mm-hmm. he'd be phenomenal. Right. I mean, he had success in Portland when he was that guy. Right. And I think his first season in Charlotte was, I want to say it was his first season. He had one really good season. I think it was 2015-2016. Yep, because it gave him a huge contract. Oh, right, yeah. That was, right, yeah. Contract year, but two. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, he's kind of fallen off ever since then. But, yeah, I really like the idea. It's going to be interesting to see what the Rockets do from this point forward mm-hmm. uh let's move on to kevin love because as you mentioned we were at tivoli in copenhagen we we're about to board a roller coaster and we saw the, the odin express yes which your son absolutely loved despite him being afraid to go on which is oh yeah <laughs> so so much convincing ha- having <laughs> taken on there oh god yeah. yeah, and then immediately yeah. when we finish, it was, let's go again, let's go again. <laughs> um, yeah, so Kevin Love, four-year, $120 million extension. The The financial details are kind of wacky. I believe he's maxed for the first two years, and then it starts to go down a little bit, or it stays flat the third year and then goes down the fourth year. So they create cap flex- flexibility on the back end mm-hmm. of that deal, which is smart because the next two seasons – 
Much like for Houston, cap space doesn't matter. For Cleveland, they've got a bunch of guys signed through 2019-2020 anyway, uh, including like Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, Kyle Koiver. A lot of those guys have only partially guaranteed deals next season, but whatever. They're not they're not adding an impact free agent in the next two years. So there's no harm maxing Kevin Love out. And then you know from that point forward, then you can start having his deal decline a little bit, which is when you can maybe start to consider trading him if that's the road you go down. But I think both of us more were surprised <laughs> by the announcement at first. Has, yeah. has that shock worn off at all over well, the past week? Not entirely. I mean, we were standing in line and, like, you know, it was a long line. And 15 minutes after we've done our whole, you know, basically mentally checked out from our wives' conversations because we had to, you know, engage the <laughs> vote bomb, we were looking at each other like, I still don't get it. Like me neither. Like we, and then an hour later, we were just walking down one of the streets in there. We're just I still don't get it. No, <laughs> you know, it's just a recurring conversation. And I, I think it's because you know Cleveland right now are looking at their cap situation and going, oh, you know what? We're we're absolutely screwed. We're right. absolutely screwed. And if we're gonna lose Kevin Love in a couple of years, we're still gonna have a lot of dough on the books. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Let's just extend him which this really was an extension mm-hmm. um and and lets him be our our star and let's see if we can get minnesota kevin love out of this guy and you know i think you mentioned i hadn't yet read mark deke's piece on this but you yep. said you did and yep. mark apparently made the point that the presence of love will help accelerate the development of colin sexton mm-hmm. that's a pretty good point because with love, you have the opportunity to play the pick and pop game. You can also have him establish himself in the post. He can play the high post, so Colin Sexton will learn both to pass. He'll learn to cut and catch the ball while cutting. So yeah, he can be used as some sort of development hub, I guess. While you know Cleveland still tries to stay relevant, um, we haven't spoken about this at length on this podcast yet, but. The draft odds next year are going to change dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we mentioned it, but we haven't gone deep on it yet. Right. And I think that kind of played into the Cleveland's thinking a little bit. Like, you know what? Let's instead of of trying to bottom out for and end up with like the sixth or seventh pick or or later than that, let's just see if we can stay competitive. The East is still wide ass open. Mm-hmm. We can we can probably make something happen. I don't know if they make a playoff run. I, I don't think they do, right. but I will say that there is the door is still open for them to do something of significance. Yeah, and they just wanted to remain competitive, and I can respect the hell out of that. Right. Yeah, I think that was you and I. I think we're we're basically just like, well, why are they trying to do that? Like, right. LeBron left, going in the tank for a couple of years, but. As you said, if that's the path they want to go down, if they want to stay somewhat competitive, that's fine too. Because mm-hmm. really, you know, I said before, like their caps, their books are clogged for the next two years. They have already almost seventy-seven million dollars in guaranteed salary next season, plus you know some non-guaranteed or not fully guaranteed deals: George Hill, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, a bunch of team options and or a team option on Ante Zizic, qualifying offer for Larry Nance. Like, we'll see, we'll see what happens with Rodney Hood. He's still floating out there as a restricted oh, free yeah. agent. Oh, yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. 
So maybe they re-sign him. You know, we'll see what happens there. But after 2019-2020, their books are completely clean right now. Kevin Love's the only guy making a big salary for them. Otherwise, it's Colin Sexton on a cheap $5 million option. Zizic is like 3.9. Chetty Osman at that point will have a qualifying offer. Again, maybe they re-sign Hood. Maybe they re-sign Nance. But this isn't going to affect their long-term outlook all that much just because they're i mean they they have a blank slate otherwise so right yeah i mean like if they they if they fancy themselves a potential playoff contender i think they even if they don't like maybe they think all right you know the celtics sixers raptors are all going to be playoff locks effectively the pacers bucks heat wizards are probably going to be in there so there's that like there's one spot most likely open for the Pistons, the Hornets, and the Cavaliers, maybe the Bulls. All of those teams are somewhat uninspiring. You're probably going to get yep. it to the Pistons just by default. But like the Cavaliers could be in that 8-9-10 mix. Otherwise, they're probably also realizing, like, look, dude, we're not going to out-tank the Knicks without Christoph Porzingis for most of the year. We're not going to out-tank the Kings or the Suns or the Hawks. Well, haven't you heard? Joakim Noah's back. <laughs> Difference maker. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, I, I don't think there's any way they, even if they had traded Kevin Love, they would have gotten something in return for him. So, like, they would have struggled to be a bottom five team regardless. Um which, as you mentioned, the lottery odds have changed and smoothed out so much that, like, there is much less incentive now. There is no incentive, really, aside, or I guess there is a little bit, but, like, you're going to have the same lottery odds as, like, each of the top three teams have the same lottery odds. Right. So the only benefit to finishing with the worst record is guaranteeing yourself a slightly higher floor. But, like, percentage-wise... There, it doesn't matter if you're first or third. Like you, right. you have the same odds either way. It's just if you're first, you cannot finish lower than or yeah, lower than fifth. If you're third, you can go down to seventh. But you know they're gonna have de- better odds under this system than they would have under the old system. And knowing Cleveland especially, it doesn't matter what the odds are. They're gonna get the number one pick next year regardless, most likely. It seems <laughs> that's how these things break. So. I you know I was out on the deal initially just because I thought I don't see the point of it but right if they you know if they want to stay remotely competitive if they don't want to just go into a full tank again because we we saw what happened there it took them four years and it's still they still needed LeBron James to come back for them to become you know an actual playoff caliber basketball team again right and three number one picks and they still sucked. So it's going to be a dark road eventually when they do embrace an all-out rebuild. But, like, they have some interesting young pieces, especially if they do retain Hood and keep Nance around long-term. And, uh, you know, Sexton's... Having a pick-and-pop partner for Sexton in Kevin Love really should expedite his development, you would hope. Or just having a guy in love, you know, even if he doesn't go back to his old Minnesota self having him there to just like attract defensive attention like Sexton is not going to get the treatment that De'Aaron Fox did last year which yeah. I think will help having a guy in love yeah well it is summer isn't it 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, this is the time for puff pieces for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, look, I get it. It's fine. I will say, uh, after the whole, the process, I, I, it has swifted our, shifted our focus on how to rebuild, hasn't it? Like, now the entire idea is basically bottom the hell out as much as possible, take on horrible deals in return for draft picks, and that's basically it, and go mm-hmm. forward with that. You know, while I appreciate what Philly did ultimately, because initially I didn't, but now right. I'm I'm wiser, I, I do understand teams taking a, a different approach. It's Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's admirable trying to go a different route and, and look at Boston and look at other teams who are like, oh, you know what? We're trying to stay competitive while also planning for the future. Like, teams are now actually trying to play both sides of the field. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I get it. It doesn't always work out, especially when the Bulls try to, but for <laughs> other teams, they might be more successful. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Philly had no choice. Like, they had traded away everything for Andrew Bynum. That right. blew up. Like, they just needed to restock their cupboard. Like, the Cavs lost LeBron James, which is a much more significant loss than anything Philly gave up, but they still have Kevin Love. They still have Colin Sexton. Like, they have incentive to be bad this year, at least Mm -hmm. somewhat bad, because they owe a top-ten protected pick to Atlanta. So, for that reason, like, if it's February 15th and they are, or I guess March 15th, and they're, like, really, you know, ordering that they're not going to make the playoffs and they're like right in that mix of 8 10 9 11 12 like kevin love is gonna mysteriously develop plantar fasciitis and get shut down for the season i can almost right. guarantee that but you know they they have they have stuff in the cupboard still like they could trade kyle corver and get something of uh, something of value in return for him i would assume um tristan thompson probably not so much george hill not so much but like they have Colin Sexton, which is like th- that. Philly only had Drew Holiday left. That was yeah. it. See, their only valuable piece. So like the Cavs. Oh yeah, are they starting... were they were naked. Philly. Right. Yeah. So cat the Cavs are starting in a much better place than Philly was when they started their rebuild, which I think is why you can you can more successfully toe that line between staying competitive and rebuilding if yeah. your war chest isn't completely depleted. It's like when you do a what the Nets did with KG and Paul Pierce and like you just destroy yourself for five years, then you need to really do a multi year tank and you just need to like start from the I mean, strip your entire team and just right. rebuild assets as much as you can. I just had a theory because apparently the twenty nineteen draft is not going to be particular particularly strong unless you finish with like a top three pick. Mm-hmm. So they might actually look at that and gauge it like, should we just sacrifice the pick next year when it's weak mm-hmm. or supposedly weak and then wait for the year after? Mm-hmm. Because you wouldn't want to give up a pick in a strong draft. Right. I'm going to look. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's top 10 protected next year and in 2020. If it's not conveyed by 2020, then it turns into two second rounders. So, oh, okay. So actually, they have no incentive to giving that up. Well, they just need to be bad for two years. Right. Yeah. Then I'm kind of going back on my word a little bit with the love thing because, I mean, he's still good. 
Right. The the question is though, how good is he? Is he a difference maker in the point that he's going to just add multiple, you know, two figure wins? No. Maybe not. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So maybe so. it doesn't hurt. I mean, it's gonna make them better than like the, I think they finish in like, I think they're gonna be close to that ten range. Yeah. Like, they're gonna have to like some team in the West is gonna get an injury and like knock them out like the Grizzlies did last year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see like just mathematically, like not every team in the West can have 50 wins. That's just not how it works. <laughs> it's impossible. So, yeah. So like someone's <laughs> going to drop out and then, yeah, I mean, if, if love goes down or if Sexton struggles or if Sexton gets hurt, like I, I think the Cavs will finish in that bottom 10. It's just a matter of, how, you know, I think there's going to be some hold your breath moments toward the end of the season because I, I do mm-hmm. think they'll be like right. I don't think they're going to be a bottom five team. I'll say that much. So if they end, you know, eleventh, how much will this contract just be yelled at from NBA Twitter? Yeah, I mean, not that matters. On... He would still be on the roster now. By the right. way, like yeah, right, yeah, exactly. There's that, but also like it'll depend on what. If and when they end up trading him down the line, right, and what they get in return for that, it's it's it kind of makes sense. I'm still a little bit you know weirded out by by that contract. I I, yeah. I think I get it, but I'm not entirely in love with it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Like I I understand what they're going for. If I was running that team, I don't know I would be doing the same thing but if that's what dan gilbert wants i mean you can't you know you gotta listen to the boss at a certain point yeah it is dan gilbert though so i probably wouldn't do it (laughs) right right all right let's flip over let's flip back to houston i guess because allegedly so carmelo anthony the trade finally went through the three-team deal the hawks waived him monday so he will clear waivers Wednesday. No team has enough cap space to clear or to claim him, so he is going to clear. And then he reportedly plans to sign with the Houston Rockets once he does clear waivers. How optimistic are you about the fit of Mello to the Rockets? Do you think Chris Paul can rein him in and make him realize yep. he, he needs to take a more limited role this year? Yeah, I mentioned that when we recorded a podcast here in my very kitchen because... <laughs> It's a it's a, a different type of point guard. He played mm-hmm. with Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. who over the past two seasons have looked at triple-double as the most, I don't know, interesting feature he can acquire. I don't know. <laughs> he just seems like that's the thing he's focused on. Right. I, I think Chris Paul, is, I, I, he's, he's just beyond stats. He's beyond yeah. numbers. He doesn't care. Um, and we saw that when he paired up with Harden. Like, yeah. he sacrificed ball handling. He sacrificed numbers big time. And with him, Harden, and hey, potentially Nicholas Batum, like, Melo is going to get the different type of shots than he did in OKC. Mm-hmm. Like, last year, I was all about, oh, Melo's going to average, like, 10 three-point field goal attempts per game in OKC. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I was just a year early on that. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. He's definitely going to set a career high with threes this year. Right? Yeah. Because he took, let's see, he took 15 shots a game last year in OKC, which was a career low for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, 6.1 
threes, which was second only to the 2012-13 season. So yeah, he's taken at least. I assume his shot value shot volume will be somewhere around, maybe not 15, maybe closer oh, yeah, to 12 that's... or 13. But right. like, eight of those are going to be threes. Right? Yeah. Unless he wants to... Oh god, this is, this is where the, the trouble coming with Melo, right. where he in his head goes... Well, I'm still mellow. Yeah. So I'm not going to be just a spot-up shooter. I'm looking at my own numbers, and I see spot-up shooters. I'm going to go, hey, Mike, what the hell? Yeah. I want to dribble for 15 seconds and jack up like a mid-range shot. Well, especially the problem is because Houston was so reliant on isolations last year. Yeah. Maybe he's like, oh, all right, I can give you another ISO score. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I mean, look. Here's the thing. You need to have a conversation with Melo when he comes in, or or mm-hmm. at least when he clears the waivers. Like, Mike, Daryl Morey, maybe even James and Chris needs to get involved. Like, just have a conversation with him and go, look, this this is beyond ego. This is beyond, like, rechasing prior glory. Mm-hmm. This is all about a, a ring. What we need you to do is not what the Knicks needed you to do. Right. It's something different, but you'll still be valuable. In your own way. And really try to play into the whole valuable thing. But if Melo is just so caught up on being like his old man again. Right. Then go to New York. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think think that's the problem with this. Like, there is a world in which he's really good. But there's also a world in which he, like, he just can't get over himself. And then. Right. Like, sabotages the team. Kind of like he did in OKC. How much would Twitter freak if Voach tweets that Melo has agreed to a deal with the Knicks? <laughs> or the Warriors? Oh, God, the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, no, yeah. That would be amazing. But, like, especially the Knicks. Just him going home. Just, like, oh, and, him, and him saying in, in the press conference, well, Phil's no longer here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I would actually respect that. He would take <laughs> would 30 shots a game on that team. Uh, that team would might be the most unwatchable team in basketball history. Just oh my god! Should the Knicks go after him now? Because that's a good idea. Like they're not going anywhere. But like, could you imagine him and Tim Hardaway Jr. just like? Oh um, man! <laughs> they like just fifty yeah. shots a night, just the two of them. Frankie Smokes would just stand there looking at them and going, "But, but my yeah. development." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no. That could be fun. Or just go to the Lakers and make the rest of the, the offseason for him just a complete weird-ass shit show. Oh, my God. That would be really fun, too. No, I mean, I've, Woj has, or Mark Stein was the one who originally tweeted that he was going to the Rockets, and Woj yeah, had a story yesterday that said he's not He's, like, strangely waiting to officially tell them he's going until he clears waivers, because I guess he wants to keep the suspense going like he's watched a little too much bachelorette and he wants to hand out the final rose to Daryl. oh Murray. no no the whole world is waiting that's why because you know remember he's still mellow that's right true. we're yeah. all waiting in in, in anticipation <laughs> he's gonna come out with like a player's tribune and oh then it's just gonna be wah, 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 and he's like what the hell happened like come on this is kd 2.0 like come on <laughs> yeah. and people are just like we don't care dude right I, like I, I'm optimistic. Offensively, I'm optimistic about the fit. I do think yep. Chris Paul is going to help him, not, like stay in his lane to steal a little more mm-hmm. ballism. Uh, defense, I think, is going to be a huge issue. But yep. like 
I mean, Ryan Anderson wasn't exactly a defensive stalwart either, and he's basically going to be taking Anderson's minutes. I mean, also working in his favor is that he seemingly hated the move to power forward last year in OKC. Trevor Ariza's departure opens a hole at small forward for the Rockets so they could start him there, well, at least during the regular season. Yeah, but what if the Batum trade happens? Oh, that, yeah, that's true. Then you slide Melo back out to the four. Here's the thing, though. Playing the four in OKC is not the same as playing the four in Houston. That's because very true. P.J. Tucker played center. Right, that is true. And I think, man, if the Batum trade happens, I almost wonder if you keep Tucker in there in the starting lineup and you just make Melo a super sub. There's no way he Along with Gordon. No, I don't think you do because you have Gordon there and Gerald oh, Green. True. Like, yeah. would you have... Just oh, imagine God. this bench, bench <laughs> unit. Eric Gordon, Gerald oh. Green, and Carmelo Anthony just, like, you know, bickering. It's my turn. Yeah, yeah. All right, I take that back. Yeah, that's right. a very good yeah. point. Man. Yeah, it's going to be... I mean, the, I, I'm, like, I'm toying with writing about this. And I need to, like, really think it through about, like, who the top threat to the Warriors is in the West. Not, you know, assuming the Batum trade doesn't happen. Like, I think the Rockets are still going to be the second best team in the West. I think they're yeah. going to have the second most wins. But I'm not sure... Like, I don't want to go out one too strongly one way or the other, but I'm not 100% sure that they are the best fit because I think, especially come playoff time, the Warriors, anytime Carmelo's on the floor, the Warriors are just going to go right at him. Right. Den- Denver's a candidate because Ooh. they will have a full, fully healthy Paul Millsap back. Yeah. I, I was mean, thinking OKC or Utah. Utah is definitely up there. I still think they need more offense, though. Yeah. I, I'm just assuming your your boy Donnie Mitchell is going to go off for 30 every game again. Look, I wouldn't even be surprised if, if Mitchell is in, in, like in the top five in scoring next year. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised whatsoever, I but I don't think he should be. That's the yeah. problem. I don't think that's that's a positive thing for Utah. Because then come playoff time, he's going to be gassed. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah, you know, ironically, I mean, Melo would actually kind of make sense there. Oh, in Utah? In Utah, he, look, his yeah. defensive if, deficiencies are obviously there, but like if there's a team that can cover for it, it's a it's Utah. a team led with the defensive player of the year. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah I would say so. Uh, all right, let's switch to the Eastern Conference now. We gotta talk about our boy Marcus Smart. Four Is years. That bo- that's your boy. Yeah, love him, love him, loving the pieces. Really excited that I get to watch him bully the Sixers for the next four years because he re-signed, <laughs> re-signed with the Celtics on a four-year $52 million deal. Which again, you know, he... No team had that kind of space, I guess, except for Sacramento. So right. it was like much like the Rockets with Capella. It, it was the Celtics doing him a solid and finding a middle ground and saying like, we value you. Please mm. don't take your qualifying offer. We'll actually give you a lot of money. But what do you think about that deal? I don't love it and I don't hate it at the same time. But mm-hmm. and, and that's because Marcus Smart swings so much in productivity. Yeah. Like, the, the, you just don't know what kind of guy you're going to get, at least offensively. Like, defensively, right. you know. So if you're looking through this through some sort of defense-only perspective, like, slight overpay 
But he mm-hmm. is a guy who can actually provide you double-figure scoring. He just needs to up the efficiency a little bit more. I yep. love the fact that he actually added the post-game to his game because, you know, he started to realize, okay, I'm not going to be <clears throat> like a Reggie Miller type from outside. <laughs> right. I need to have some sort of offensive acumen that I need to go to. Mm-hmm. So I respect the hell out of that. And and I think the Celtics believe that he will become better on that end of the floor. I think they believe that his, you know, basketball IQ offensively will will trend upwards because mm-hmm. he's so smart defensively. I, I I just I can totally see a scenario wherein Danny Ainge goes, you know, this guy just knows coverages and knows what, you know what schemes or yeah, schemes and sets other teams are running. Like he knows these things. It's just a matter of time before he taps into it on the other end of the floor. Let's lock him up, see what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. I just think he's like the Draymond Green of that team. Like he's the heart of that team. Yeah. And you can't it's it's almost worth living with I mean, he's a what, thirty six percent career shooter overall and Oh, it's that high? <laughs> yeah, somehow. Not not three point shooter overall. I know. Uh, Still yeah. feels high for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you can live with that based on everything else. Not only, like, I feel like his stats don't really reflect how good he is on defense. Like, just because oh, yeah, yeah. there aren't really metrics outside of steals and blocks. Like, his per-game stats, I mean. Right. Like, you know, 1.5 career steals per game. But, like, he is just so in your goddamn face. He's like mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly on steroids that yeah, he's just such an antagonist and like and i mean that and it oh yeah positive yeah right like I, I'm, I'm in awe of how annoying of a player he must be to go up against oh yeah and i think you know for a boston team they don't need they got plenty of scorers right they got hayward they have irving they have tatum they have brown they have roger like they need more of that like rugged toughness especially coming in their second unit guys who they can come you know in a playoff series you tag this guy in eight minutes into the first quarter and he just immediately gives your bench a spark gives that second unit a spark or can come right on to you know whoever right. like he's just so defensively versatile too like he can oh yeah really he guarded guard, Millsap. yeah like he can guard one to four pretty easily so mm-hmm. you know that boston team man we we talked about it last episode about like boston and toronto are both just they have so many options to cycle through now. Like, they can play, both can play as big or small as matchups dictate. Yeah. And they can dictate those matchups to opponents. Like, if they if they go small, you're going to have to follow suit. But if you do go small, then they've got a bunch of wings who can cover anyone. Like, they can switch any goddamn matchup they want. It's... Be yeah, really no, good. no, it's it's unbelievable. Like defensively, we we keep talking about OKC and Utah as the main like defensive hubs in the NBA. Uh huh. Boston's right there. Yeah, they're right there. Yeah, Boston's gonna have a top three defense this year. Yeah, I think they were number one last year. I thought Utah won number one. Oh, it could be one. Yeah, I don't remember, it, but yeah. they, they, like they were in the top, right? Like they were pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, defensive rating on basketball reference, but they they were first there. But basketball reference and NBA.com calculates their defensive ratings a little bit differently. So I I haven't checked on on NBA.com. But yeah, you're right. Actually, number one. I know they were right up there. I don't remember 
I'm going to double check. Um, they were... Yeah, they, oh, yeah. Oh, they were they were number one by <laughs> one-tenth of a point ahead of Utah, and then Philly Ooh. was number three. So basically a, a, a tie, yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they were going to be right in the mix there. And, and then, yeah, you mentioned OKC as well. Like, I, I wrote a piece for B-Ball Breakdown today about, like, the, the Carmelo thing's going to be addition by subtraction for them. Yep. Like, they, they get Roberson back. They get to plug Grant and Patrick Patterson into Melo's minutes. They have Nerlens coming off the bench as a backup center. Mm-hmm. It's going to be they, good. They're going to be nasty. But, yep. Oh, Boston. I don't know. Like, there's, there seems to be some skepticism about Boston, about them, like, being a potential 60-win team and being, like, a legit threat to the Warriors. Like, I think Boston's going to be effing great next year. Like, I have zero <laughs> yeah. doubts about Boston. I am oh, yeah. terrified of Boston. I guess that it's like, well, maybe Jason Tatum was just like so polished coming into the league that there isn't like he can't improve that much more. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, oh God. Yeah. I think he. I mean, he. I agree. He is really polished, and he is. He was incredibly impressive right away. But like, what the kid's nineteen years old, twenty years old. Like, he he has not hit his ceiling yet. There is. Just because he's already that good doesn't mean he can get substantially better. You know who were also very polished coming into the league and who got better? Michael Ooh. Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. There you like, go. A lot of the like, Hakeem Olajuwon, Tim Duncan, David Robinson. Yeah. Like These guys came in extremely polished. Like, obviously, Tatum is not on that level. Mm-hmm. Like And, and that, that's really what surprises me. Like You're looking at a guy who averaged less than 14 points a game. And people are right. like, oh, he can't top that. Yeah. Yeah, he can. I know what you saw in the playoffs, but that was him progressing from the regular season to the playoffs, just showing what he's improved upon over like the past six months. Obviously, he's going to get better. But that, you know, I love that critique. You know, Wendell Carter Jr. is going through the same thing right now. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, oh, he he slipped because teams are like, yeah, he's not going to get better. He's he's what he is. What? Like, when has a guy ever been that? Like, that's just yeah, that's ridiculous. Right. Um, but like, yeah, that that's that's a critique we see for for players once in a while. With Boston specifically, I'm looking at the playoffs instead of regular season. I don't care about the regular season numbers. Yeah, they can win 47. They can win 64. I don't give a flying something. Yeah, yeah. because it doesn't matter. Right. And like Tatum's numbers, yeah, maybe he won't average 25 points a game just because he's sharing touches with so many guys. But mm-hmm. like after what I saw from him last year, he seems like he's going to have the ceiling of, like, Carmelo Anthony, but good. Or, like, Carmelo Anthony, but gives a shit on defense. Carmelo Anthony, but with a sense of teamwork. Yeah. Yeah, like, did you see him working out with Kobe Bryant recently? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the memes (laughs) that followed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So maybe that's all gone now. But, but yeah, I mean, I think Bill Simmons goes too far in saying, oh, this could be the greatest Celtic of all time and stuff right, like that. Right, but right. Or whatever he said. I don't remember. It's white noise after, after a while. But, um, like, I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's fair to Tatum to, like, put additional pressure on him at this point. Like, he's going yeah. into his second season. Sure. But point is, he's going to be really good. And, you know, this is a blessing in disguise for Jalen Brown because he's been flying under the radar like, the entire summer, everyone's, like, focused on, oh, how good is Jason Tatum going to be? 
Well, you know who took a major-ass leap last year? Jalen Brown. What's here to suggest that he won't do it again? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. And now, yeah, I'm going to continue shitting on Boston skepticism. This is going to be... I don't even think it's a bold flag to plant, but if it is, I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, all right, let's lightning round through some other minor yep. signings. Go for it. The first one we need to talk about is yet another Lakers head-scratcher. Michael Beasley <laughs> to the Lakers, one year, $3.5 million. Just because they clearly didn't have enough volatile elements in their locker room. They wanted I to I know, right? You already had Rondo, Stevenson, JaVale, LeBron, LeVar Ball. Let's add Michael Beasley into the mix. So, okay, yeah. LeVar Ball and Stevenson... Even LeBron to some extent, right. uh, because LeBron is, is still like the, he demands so much attention. Yeah, and uh, there's JaVale, be, like, some subtweeting going on at some point. Uh, of course. So, what could they go ha- have you know carry into the locker room? I'm thinking everything from water pistols to semi-automatic rifles at this point. Yeah, right. Like, are we gonna have a repeat of the Gilbert Arenas? Oh yeah. I mean, look that. I'm, I've said this before. I'm gonna say it again. Like I'm gonna give the LeBron signing specifically an A plus. Right. Everything after that is like, I'm not even sure I'm passing. Like that's a passing grade. It's just so weird. Like even the Kentavious Caldwell Pope thing. I kind of get what they're coming with or, or what they're going for, but I, I just don't see the need. Like you're sacrificing Josh Hart's development. Right. Whereas you really need him moving forward. And I also think Hart actually could be the better player right now. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Michael Beasley, like, they had enough scoring. Like, yeah, he has a rapport with LeBron, I guess, right. because of their heat days. Yep. And I guess that's it. We'll see, I guess. I'm at the point now where I think, like, this all seems so batshit crazy on the surface that I'm almost expecting it to work. And, oh, like, yeah. And, and so I did. A, I've got a piece coming out Wednesday on Fansided about like the Lakers ceiling this season, which I think is ceiling absolute best case scenario is a Western Conference Finals berth, uh, assuming they wa- uh, avoid the Warriors on their side of the playoff bracket. But I was looking into like what happened the last two times LeBron switched teams, and when he went to the Heat in 2010, they started nine and eight, and then they went on a 12 game win streak and won almost 60 games. When he went to the Cavs in 2014, they were below 500 in the middle of January. They were 19 and 20, mm-hmm. and then they went on a 12-game win streak and finished. I think it was like 53 and 29. So I think the Lakers are going to struggle early on. They're going to be like 500 somewhere around there for the first month or two of the season. Then they're going to hit the gas. They're going to make the playoffs, and like you know, I think there there's a possibility that this weird. It's like I said in the article. It's just like. An island of misfit toys, basically. It's like this weird combination of mm-hmm. Rondo and Stevenson and Beasley and McGee being these like veteran contributors, plus internal development from Ball, Kuzma, uh, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, even Zubac. Like the the big hole on that team is center. I still have no idea what they're going to do at center. Beasley but. probably. Yeah. I mean, look, he's six. Oh, he's listed at six ten. He's certainly not. But right. I, I don't know if I made this joke before. I probably have, and I I'm old, so I don't remember it. But this is like the the episode of The Simpsons with Mr. Burns 
getting diagnosed with basically everything, <laughs> but not but because he's diagnosed with so many illnesses, like none of them can really pass through the system because they're blocking each other. <laughs> yeah. So this is really the situation with the Lakers. Like none of them can really grow all that bad because the the entire insanity level is just so high. Right. They're all gonna like out crazy each other and somehow yeah. gonna counteract. Yeah. It's like a Mexican standoff where no one pulls the trigger. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's the best case scenario. But I'm still expecting it. I think they'll be like the sixth seed in the West. I don't think they're not gonna beat go past the Warriors, the Rockets, probably not the Jazz, probably not the Thunder, probably not the Spurs. So they'll be in the range of like the Nuggets most likely. But then I still think they're gonna make the Western Conference Finals because LeBron. It's just I can I can see it now, even though they they have a lot of roadblocks in the way. But it's gonna be really just so fascinating to watch mm. this Lakers. It team. is. It even, absolutely like, is. Frankly, this is the best case scenario because like if you're a Lakers fan, you get LeBron. If you hate the Lakers, like there is such shit show potential now yeah. that <laughs> this team's gonna be fascinating to watch regardless. Like it could just blow up in so many ways, but either way it's gonna be a great storyline. Uh Dirk Nowitzki coming back to Dallas for his twenty first season, setting an NBA record, one year five million dollar deal. The money doesn't matter. I'm just happy Dirk's coming back. Yep. I All mean I, I don't really wanna say anything else i mean it's yeah, just right. it's good so welcome back uh, dirk Thanks welcome for... back dirk Look, looking forward to see you play some pick and pop and pick and roll with well in your age pick and pop probably yeah. with luka Doncic. yeah he also i saw he had a great joke on twitter the other day about getting drug tested Anyone oh yeah <laughs> dude did you see how i moved last season i would need new steroids if i was getting if i was on something <laughs> awesome please never leave us dirk oh yeah no, we, we can't handle it. No. Uh, Alex Len going to the Atlanta Hawks, two years, $8.5 million. That's I'm a good mild- deal. Yeah, I'm like mildly intrigued. If, mm-hmm. if you're going to take a flyer, I mean, the guy was a former top five pick. You know, depending on how you feel about John Collins, like where you think his best fit is, you could put Collins at the four, Len at the five. You can play Len, Len is security. Yeah. He's it's nothing more. And you know yeah. what he's going to do next year? He's going to pop threes. Oh, he probably is. He will be because Atlanta is going for this ridiculous everyone, literally everyone on our team should be able to make a three. I like it. Yeah, right. no, it's 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 fine. I just think they, in the draft, we've spoken about this before. I oh, think yeah, they, yeah, yeah. like during the draft time, they were too focused on that mission and kind of forgot, I don't know, talent. <laughs> right. The, this guy named Luka Doncic is actually Oh, yeah, that, that guy. And then, you know. Herder at nineteen, yeah, yeah. was that, yeah, and Spellman I think at thirtieth. It was like, yeah, no, you you probably could have gotten better players at all those three spots. Sure. I liked Herder, but yeah, the yeah. other two, the other two hurt. We'll see. I mean, I I kind of like what they're doing on the surface. I just don't want to see them like go all out on an idea where they just like ignore talent. Yeah, like because hard. you just need that, right? But Alex Len. I will say it's actually damn talented. He was in the conversation to be picked first in 2013, I want to say. Yeah, that was the year where there was no good number one pick. Right. Anthony Bennett became. Exactly. But he was was looked at as being a guy, you know, challenging for that spot. I'm not saying, you know, he should live up or he would have lived up to it or anything. But, like, he's serviceable. 
Like, yeah. he's an NBA player. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, as depth behind Deadman, it's fine for that mm. little money. You know, it's a good gamble on a... He's 25 years old. He was the number five pick in 2013. He's had some ankle issues, so hopefully he can put those behind him. But, like, yeah, what the hell? It's a good gamble. Yeah. I, I like it for the Hawks. Um, the Hawks also are getting Vince Carter on a one-year deal. I haven't seen the financial details. I'm assuming it's just the veteran minimum, but... I have it down as two point four million. So okay, and I, so yeah. I don't know where I got that number from. Probably somewhere on Twitter. Uh, that would be yeah. That's going to be the vet minimum then. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why Vince Carter is going there, but sure. Yeah, I, I look. Here's the thing. At this point, I think Vince waited a little bit too long. I think Vince is in a in a very unique situation right now because. He should be able to sell off his his leadership abilities and his mentorship right. for more than the minimum. I yeah. kind of get that he wants to go that route. I mean, look, if he's like, I don't want to contend for a title. I just, you know, I I have I'm fine being like a mentor. Like then then you know charge teams for it. Like go bananas and say, you know, I want five million. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I just don't. I don't know why you choose Atlanta. Like, why, why do you sign on to a rebuilding team for the minimum when any team could have given you the minimum? Really, I'm just salty. I wanted him back in Toronto. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. I've been saying that for years and years. I, Yeah, I, I, I think Atlanta maybe have some sort of under-the-table deal. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if this was his last year and then he slid right into the coaching, coaching staff. staff. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because that's what, what he did, what you're suggesting with Sacramento. He it was a one-year, $8 million deal. So yep. it was like, yeah, I'll come to your crap team, but you, you know, you have to uh, pay me through the roof. Right, right. I, I would have done that if I was wins, but I mean, I'm not. And, you know, the money was kind of dried up as well. Yeah. Who knows? It's Vince. He may play another year. He may play two more years. We don't know. That and is like, true. I mean, he's in perfectly fine shape. He's still doing windmills, 360s, hitting half-court shots. This man's ridiculous. I know. Oh, no, sorry. He's half amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does he have... Maybe he has some kind of relationship with Lloyd Pierce. Well, they were <laughs> they were eligible for the same draft. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I I mean, I love it for Atlanta. Like, he's going to be a great veteran leader for that team. And as you said, like, he's, he's not in the... He's not like the Iverson or the Mellow who is like, He's a former star, and he got old, and he like refused to accept the aging curve. Like he no, knows his place now. He knows right. he's like he's there for the the locker room part more than the on court impact. But he's got perspective, which is right. kind of essential. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? Uh, okay, who else? Oh, Montrez Harrell. Stay Love with it. The Clippers, two years, twelve million. That's insane value. You and I yeah. talked about it right before we started recording. I love that value so much. He's insanely productive. Um, I'm not a fantasy guy whatsoever. I don't have the time for it or the knowledge base. Like, you're a big fantasy guy. Yep. And he was a guy you just, you mentioned to me, like he was one of those guys you just had to pick up. Look, he averaged 11 points a game in 17 minutes. Yep. The guy had a PER of almost 25, a true shooting percentage of almost 65. Now, I know the PER is start, starting to get outdated, but that's still insane for a guy coming off the bench. Now, right. when you can get that guy for $6 million a year and he's still just 24, look, that's that's just awesome. The, yeah. the Clippers are just, you know, with the Lou Williams extension, 
and and with this new contract for for Harrell and the trade for Tobias Harris, they're they're doing some damage right now. Yeah. The only thing I'm like mildly surprised by is that it's fully guaranteed just because they were one of those teams that it wouldn't have taken them all that much work to clear out two max cap space or two max right. uh, contract spots for next summer. So like right. if they wanted to go after Kawhi and someone else or they wanted the Kyrie and Jimmy Butler duo that reportedly wants to play together, they're one of the few teams that could have done it. Montrez Harrell will cut into that cap space a little bit, making that slightly more tricky. That said, as you mentioned, you know, he that he's flippable. Six, yeah, him on six million a year should be flippable. Lou Williams is flippable. He's a good player. Like you don't wanna lose good players, especially when you can sign them for a reasonable amount of money. So right. yeah, like you. I love the deal for the Clippers and you know, I don't think they make the playoffs this year just because the Western Conference is so crowded, but they're like they have talent on that team. They're an intriguing it's like mm-hmm. the Clippers I really think they're like just keep an eye on them. Just Yeah. I, I'm glad you just said that because I'm just gonna hit you with this. Okay. I was just I, I was uh listening to Sack Lowe's latest podcast er, earlier today. I, I think it's almost a week old, so I was a little behind. He said that you know, Kawhi was just not motivated by money. Mm. And, you know, we know Kawhi wants to go to, or sorry, Kawhi's uncle wants him in LA. <laughs> right. So I'm going to throw this one. Imagine if the Clippers make enough moves and they make like the dump moves ready for Gallinari and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they somehow, some way, fiddle their way into the Butler Irving combo and somehow get Kawhi on top like that would would, yeah yeah it would take a lot of maneuvering right it would take so much cap know-how it would take you know an unimaginable like creativity yeah but but I would get my Butler Kawhi Leonard pairing you would well they could just get Kawhi and Jimmy and they could leave Kyrie to go to New York or something yeah but like do you no, yeah, no, sure, but I was th- more thinking like it seems to me that Kyrie and Jimmy's a package deal. Yeah, right. But yeah. you know, then again, like if you tell Jimmy, "Hey, do you want to play with Kyrie or or Kawhi Leonard?" You know, he may actually say, "Oh, oh, I want to play with with the good guy." <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, they could all take slight discounts and make it work. That w- that would be absurdly fun if the Clippers could pull that off. Oh, and like LeBron and Kyrie would share the same right. you know, home stadium again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Kings briefly because they had yeah. two players back out on agreed upon deals to sign with them instead. Yogi Ferrell, two years, six point two million, and then man, I, I honestly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My well, boy. he got more money. Yeah, and then Nemanja Bjelica, three years, twenty point five million. I think I saw oh the boy. third year was not guaranteed. I That's think. still a I lot. Hope. That's a lot of money. Yeah. For a, well, for a guy who plays the position of the guy who you just drafted number two overall. Well, I mean, come on, they signed Sack Levine to a to an offer sheet, and they had Buddy Heal, their new Steph Curry, right there. Like, they Dude. don't expect them to operate logically. My my king's amnesty 
still stands. That's my that's my only thing. The whole oh, yeah. summer, it's just if you are a right. Kings fan, you're allowed to choose a new team, and no mm-hmm. one can call you a bandwagoner. This is just it's too much. Like yeah. no no fan base should have to put up with what this franchise has put you through. Not yeah. only this summer, but like <laughs> for the last right. fifteen years. <laughs> I like the Farrell signing though. Yeah, like that's, that's good value. That, that's good value, and he's a, he's a backup point guard who can actually, on occasion, play starting caliber basketball here here and there. Like right. not not consistently though, but he's a guy who's on that verge. He's he's very much like an more offensive minded Darren Collison back in the day, mm-hmm. like fringe starting caliber. And when you get that for two years, six point two million, that's that's a good deal. It's the it's the other one, Bialicia. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't get that one at all, man. No, I don't either. I also like it. Just feels like bad business in a way. Like I'm oh, all yeah. for the players getting more money. Like good for them. That's awesome. But like having two guys back out of their deals like that and then sign with the Kings, I feel like I don't know. I just think it's that seems to set a very icky precedent around. Oh yeah, they piss teams off. Right. Because it wasn't like a moratorium thing. Like, it was just they came in after a deal was agreed upon, and then. Yeah. Yeah. It, and whatever. Like, neither one of those guys is a huge difference maker. It's not like the DeAndre Jordan thing from a couple of years ago, but it's just like. Does that make it better or worse? <laughs> right. Like, I think if it's a good guy, like, at least you would get something out of it. Right, that's a fair question. Let's hurt our reputation by going for like French rotate or not for like French starting caliber guys. Or Bielicha is not even a French starter. No, like no, he's not. He's 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 a a full time backup. Yeah, he is. You're right. Like what is their rotation? They just have like a bunch of combo guards and power forwards now. Yep. Well, that's kind of the Kings, right? I guess like they have like Bagley can't play the five. Elite is a four. Oh, but remember, Backley might be able to play the three. That's true. Yeah, like Skull yep. is a four. Harry Giles is a four. Well, uh, G- Giles may be a five simply because of the knee injuries. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, he's a little bit slower. And I guess yeah. Randolph, you can move to the five because he's also slow. But like, ugh. it's not great, Brian. Let's it's just so gross. Yeah, it's, it's not that, great. That team is gonna be. Truly horrendous next year, and they're yeah. Oh man, whatever. <laughs> I still look um, forward to watching De'Aaron Fox, though. I like him, I do too. and I and I kind of hope he gets out of Sacramento. Yeah, real soon. Yeah, and I like Buddy Hill too. Like they have mm-hmm. some interesting young talents. Just like oh, yeah, I have no faith in any of them. Right. Just like I, I don't get it. Like why, why did you bring Ben McElmore back? Yeah. What? Why? What? What are you no, doing? No, there's, there's, there's no logic to this, Brian. No. Okay. Um, the last signing I believe that we missed since I since I was gallivanting in Europe was Noah Vonley, former Bull, to the New York Knicks on a one-year, partially guaranteed deal. Who played well as a Bull? Actually, I was kind of surprised more teams didn't go for him. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, for, to to New York, where I think he'll actually somewhat well i i don't know what type of role he'll get i assume a fair amount of minutes considering christoph's forsingus is out right 
But, like, he, he did fine. I mean, with the Bulls, he started shooting threes. <laughs> three a game, actually, which for some reason he didn't do in Portland. Mm-hmm. That that also always confused me because when he was in, in Indiana, like in college, he actually displayed a little bit of three-point range mm-hmm. and did so with a nice release. Like, he was... He seemed to be a guy who would come in and be able to to shoot the long ball, and then in Charlotte he he kind of did on low volume. Then he came to Portland, didn't do it a whole bunch, and then in Chicago he just was still like, "Here's the green light." And right, you know, it was only thirty percent, but like on on three attempts a game, like that at least shows that you, there's some potential there. Yeah, it. This I mean, is the type of flyer like the Knicks, especially in a year where. If Kristaps is gonna miss some or all of the year, as mm-hmm. you said, like Vonley could slide in and actually play some major minutes right away. I mean, he's gonna right. be competing with Kevin Knox presumably, but you know, maybe he gets twenty twenty five minutes a game while Kristaps is out. He'll have a chance to rebuild his value and right, yeah, play some five even. Yeah, and if he's jacking up threes, like yeah, whatever. It, like it doesn't matter if he's only hitting thirty percent. If you're in, like the Knicks, shouldn't pull him out if he's only hitting thirty percent. Because yep. it doesn't matter. Like, wins and losses do not matter for the Knicks. They're all, they should be mm-hmm. in, like, talent accumulation mode. And, like, somehow this kid's only 22. He's only, He was very young coming into the league. And I, I'll yeah. ha- I actually have a hot take for you. Okay. I think Noah Vonley this season is going to average, you know, one of those barely double-doubles. Like, nine Ooh. and a half, nine and a half points, nine and a half rebounds, something like that. Yeah. I, I think like he's it. going to, yeah, and I think teams are going to, or, or fans at least, are going to be like, oh, no, Vonley is good, and then it's a combination of him playing for a bad team and getting as many shots as he wants, but right. at the same time also proving that he is better than the than the supposed, you know, bust that he was for a couple of years. Right, yeah, I would, oh, I was super high on him when he came into the draft. Oh, yeah, me being too. being very salty when the Hornets took him. They were, it was one pick before the Sixers. Like, I wanted him... At number 10 that year, and the Hornets took him ninth overall. Yeah, um, worked out for you guys, though. Yeah, I would say. But, you know, yeah, I, I think he'll he'll be fine in the Knicks. And, like, mm-hmm. what, you know, if it... I haven't seen financial details of the deal. I don't know when the... Pretty sure it's a minimum. Is. Yeah, I would assume so as well. And I don't yeah. know, like, when it becomes fully guaranteed. But if it's... I mean, A, it doesn't matter for the Knicks anyway. They shouldn't right. waive him. But, like, if it's, if it's one of those, like... Not until January 10th does it become guaranteed type deals. And then Kristaps comes back healthy in December and he has, Noah Vonley has no more of a role. Yeah. You can get out, get out scot free then. But otherwise, just keep him on the minimum deal. And you've got right. a 22 year old who you could potentially re sign down the line. Yep. And, the, and they did the same thing with Mario Hisonia. The Knicks are actually yep. doing something smart here in terms of going for you know, younger players. You know, former lottery draft picks mm-hmm. who they can get for cheap. Right. We'll see if it turns into anything, but I at least like the difference in approach compared yeah. to previous seasons. Right. This is totally Just, what you, uh, if you're a rebuilding team, this is what you should do gamble right. on talent, young talent. Like, don't bring in veteran retreads. Right. Don't pay 72 million for Joakim Noah. Don't right. pay 72 million for, for Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, just go low. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just see, like, what young guys can thrive in bigger roles like that's what right. they were doing with Moutier as well and Trey Burke maybe they too. heard our maybe they heard our podcast yeah or maybe they just have smart oh, <laughs> a smart front office for a change hmm I didn't know bad bad owners could hire smart front offices <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe James Dolan is just busy making music lately 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's actually the the best thing could that could happen for Knicks fans is just Dolan focusing on his music. Yeah, committing to that. Yeah, that career instead of the Knicks. That is true. So I think those are all the big signings we missed while I was away. We will continue if any other big signings or trades happen over the coming weeks. We'll continue talking about them. But otherwise, we're headed into the very slow period of the offseason. That said, we're going to still keep pumping out episodes. Uh, We'll have something soon on the 2019 free agent class. We're going to do a very early preview of just how much of a shit show that's (laughs) poised to be. Uh, We'll also be bringing on some guests in the coming weeks. So stay tuned at the NBA pod on Twitter. You can find all of our latest episodes there. You can also find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I look forward to you coming back to Denmark next year and staying here for two weeks so I can officially get you into the obese category. <laughs> if I stay there for two weeks, I most certainly will be. How how was Sticks and Sushi, by the way? Oh my god, so good. We spent a reckless amount of money. Uh <laughs> but it was it was very worth it. Did you did you take pictures because I'm thinking you should send them to Rich Cho? Oh yeah. Uh so <laughs> we took pictures of the appetizers and then I suggested taking pictures of the entree, but by that point my wife had already eaten two pieces of sushi, so <laughs> as is tradition, we did not get pictures of that. But yeah, the, everything we ate in the whole trip was just incredible. So now we're we're going to a wedding in a couple weeks at our odd. We're both on uh, some some diets since then. Well, we'll we'll take care of that next year. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right, catch you later, Mark. You too, man.